0: Love, talk,
1: radio. Hi, this is Kristen Kenny from Red Bull Global Rallycross, and you're listening to Thursday Night Thunder on the Speedway Digest Radio Network.
2: Hello, and welcome to the June 25th edition of Speedway Digest Thursday Night Thunder, the most hardcore motorsports program on the internet. This is episode 183 of the series. I'm your host, Adam Jason Sinclair, and on tonight's program, i come Michael Capallo and myself, be recapping the past couple of weeks of racing, previewing up in the action and assessing whatever other topics pop into the conversation. With the current civil strife that has been all over the airwaves, even highlighted in the world of NASCAR, as some of you have seen on Facebook this evening, the post that was tagged in, as well as other posts that have obviously been going around for the past, few, past week or so, we wanted the show to to show that our program stands for racial Quality and Understanding. With that in mind, let's introduce our first guest. Last week, Jim Austin Online was jazzed to launch the smoothest music festival of the summer, the Juneteenth live streaming music festival and celebration. Let's go ahead and hold off on that for one second. We are apparently having a small technical issue with our co-host this evening. Let's see how that goes and stand by for one second. On Friday, the 2 days Juneteenth, oh, excuse me, I skipped a little too far ahead. The celebration kicked off with the Juneteenth pop-up virtual film screening, sponsored by Dream Austin Online and the Denton Blast Film Festival. Film lovers were able to enjoy a series of, a series of short films, followed by filmmaker discussions on their work and upcoming projects. The pop virtual Film Festival is free of charge and can be found by visiting com slash Juneteenth Festival. It took place last Thursday. I am not sure if there's any any way to see the content from last week or not, but be sure to check out the website again, com slash Juneteenth Festival. On Friday night. The two-day Juneteenth live stream music festival kicked off at 6 p.m. Central Time with a lined lineup of Zydeco and blues bands, including Fat Daddy, which headlined the extravaganda. Also performed were Holland K. Smith, Sharon Keaton, Sherna Armstrong, and Kenya C. The festival continued on Saturday with an all-jazz lineup, which began at 4 p.m. Central Time, with Lizzie Benny Zantz and the trio, Bob Holbert, Joseph Vincelli, Taylor Pace, Faces the Band, and headliner's Fingerprints, featuring Mary Meadows. The concert was broadcast from the warehouse located at 1125 East Berry Street in Fort Worth, Texas. There were actually people on site there. It was a uh, apparently a, quite a big concert. I don't know what the restrictions are with COVID-19. I know they did encourage people to, to participate online, but there was a crowd there for the, for the event. Jim Austin Online is working in partnership with the United Way of Tarrant County to help raise money for COVID-19 relief. The concert also benefited the Artists' Outreach and the National Multicultural Western Heritage Museum. Jim Austin Online also offers a calendar of networking opportunities to help you make new connections and grow your business. As an influencer and online media channel, JimAustinOnline.com promotes entertainment and cultural events in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex area. We're currently standing by for him to call into the program. So while we're standing by, let's go ahead and listen to a selection from Ron Postana and the pit crew. This is 99 Speedway. <laughs>
3: This is Jason Vines, author of What Did Jesus Drive, and you're listening to Thursday Night Thunder on the Speedway Digest Radio Network. Hello, welcome
2: back. This is Adam Sinclair, broadcasting this evening for the Thursday Night Thunder with Adam Sinclair Show here from Speedway Digest's southern headquarters in Florida. We're currently standing by for our first guest, Jim Austin of Jim Austin Online He has, unfortunately, not called in yet. We are still standing by for him to call in this evening. Hopefully, we have our fingers crossed. We do have a a wonderful show planned for you this evening with not only Jim Austin, but also another guest who was brought to us by Optima Batteries, Jimmy Day, the co-founder, president, and CEO of FM3 Performance Marketing. We're going to be talking with him in a few moments. Well, we have a few moments here. Let's go ahead and move on to our next section of the script, shall we? Are you a race car driver, crew chief, pit member, track owner? Maybe you're just a huge fan of the sport. Contact either Michael Morali or myself to get your spot on the show. After all, you deserve your 15 minutes of fame, and we'd love to hear from you.
1: Derek Griffith, oh, my Lord, Griffith, holy cow, 2020 season may have been reshuffled because of the coronavirus pandemic, but Friday afternoon's general tire Hashtag Anywhere is Possible 200 at Pocono Raceway is a prime opportunity for the Chad Bryant Racing development driver. Chad Bryant Racing is the defending winner of the 80-lap race, and although the 23-year-old Griffith has never been to the tough and treacherous 2.5-mile triangle, the Hudson, New Hampshire native has, de- has developed a reputation for conquering challenges in spectacular fashion. His Arkham Maynard Series debut may be his biggest challenge yet.
2: Traditionally, before the June Arca race, the series hosts an open test session allowing rookie drivers the prime opportunity to get comfortable with the tricky triangle. But with COVID-19, changing the protocols of the season, Griffiths will just have one hour to find his comfort zone, just hours before the race. Friday will also mark the, the debut of the original gourmet food company as the primary partner of Griffith's number 22 Ford Fusion. Headquartered in Salem, New Hampshire, the original gourmet has been in the, in the, in the sweets and snack industry since 1994. Their story started with a recipe and a vision. Their curiosity for making special blends of flavors and colors of candy. the passion for providing people with bold-tasting lollipops. Griffith's Cowboy covered a variety of the company's 26 lollipop flavors.
1: Original Gourmet Lollipops, the largest pop sold with a bright taste and bright color, standing out from all the rest. Weighing in at 1.1 ounces, these lollipops are gluten and peanut-free delights that have a plastic stick and will not get soggy like all the other lollipops do. For more on Derek Griffith, please visit DerekGriffith.com. Like him on Facebook at Derek Griffith Motorsports and follow him on Twitter at Derek Griffith, Griffith 12 The general tire, anywhere as possible, 280 laps, 200 miles, is the fourth of 20 races on the 2020 Arca Menard Series schedule. Practice begins Friday, June 26th with an hour session from 3.30 p.m. to 4 30 p.m. The race is set to take the green flag shortly after 1 p.m. The event will be televised live on Fox Sports 1, FS1, while ArcoRacing.com will stream live timing and scoring throughout the entire weekend festivities, all times are local Eastern.
2: We're still standing by for our first guest to call in, who I'm not sure if we're actually going to be able to get to him or not, but we'll see. While we're standing by, let's go ahead and listen to another selection from Mon Pastana and the pit crew. This is Raced a Rock.
1: is Ryan Upke, driver of the number 14 Reynolds Racing Chassis Late Model. You're listening to Thursday Night Thunder on Speedway Digest Radio Network.
2: We're still standing by for our first guest and getting ready for our second guest of the evening, who might only be our, our only guest tonight, but we'll go with that as we get to it. While we're doing that, let's go ahead and skip ahead a little bit further into the script again and talk about some racing in Pocono. On the heels of the season's best performance at Homestead in Miami Speedway two weeks ago, AM racing and racing in Driver Austin Wayne Self traveled to Pocono, Pennsylvania Raceway for Saturday afternoon's Pocono Organics 150, eager to earn their first top-ten finish of the season. Another race weekend without practice and qualifying forced the 1st place starting position to Homestead, but hard work by self and crew chief Eddie Traconis kept the team moving forward and now to a 16th-place finish at the 1.5-mile speedway.
1: Moving ahead to Pocono Raceway's two-and-a-half-mile triangle, Self describes the track dubbed as the Tricky Triangle as one of the most unique tracks on the circuit, the one he enjoys competing at. Self 24 will make his fifth NASCAR Gander RV and Outdoor Truck Series start this weekend and looks to capitalize on three top-18 finishes. He also has five Arkham Lenard Series starts to the Long Pond, Pennsylvania track, including three top-10 finishes, including an ARCA track best of six Last July.
2: Don't with, Texas, Sea Force Bottling Company, Flying Circle, and Cruise Market will serve as associate partners in the sixth race of the year. In 1989, 19- 89- NASA Gander Racing Outdoor Truck Series races. The 2014 Arc of Nard Series Rookie of the Year has two top fives. Second Daytona in 2017, fifth in Michigan in 2019, and seven top ten finishes. The Texan maintains an average finish of 18.2 during his five years of competition. The Austin, Texas native is nestled 18th in championship standings with 18 races remaining. For more on Austin Wayne Self, please visit awsracing.com. Like his Facebook page, Austin Wayne Self, and follow him on Twitter, at Austin W. Self,
1: The Pocono Organics 150, 60 laps, 150 miles, is the sixth of 23 NASCAR Gander RV and Outdoor Truck Series races on the 2020 schedule. The 40-truck field will take the green flag shortly after 12.30 p.m. with live coverage on Fox Sports 1, FS1, the Motor Racing Network, Radio in Sirius XM NASCAR Radio, Satellite Radio Channel 90, all times their local,
2: Officials at Daytona National Speedway announced today a plan to reintroduce a return of fans to the attack venue for the sports car classic Incid WeatherTech 240 at Daytona on Saturday, July 4th. Working closely with public health officials and local, state, and federal authorities on amended safety protocols and procedures, the Speedway will offer a limited number of fans, 5,000 to attend the Incid WeatherTech 240 at Daytona with available seating in the Front Stretch Grandstands, as well as a limited number of infield camping guests. All must-be Florida residents, and we'll adhere to strict social distancing guidelines.
1: This IMSA WeatherTech 240 at Daytona, part of the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship, will be showcased on the 3.56-mile high-banked tri-oval infield road course. The highly anticipated event will take the green flag at 6.05 p.m. Eastern on Independence Day and end under the lights. The limited camping spots will be located in NASCAR's turns one and two areas of the infield geico grounds yellow rv and yellow premium rv near the carousel turn those fans will be required to watch the race from their rv site the imsa weather tech 240 at daytona is the first event in imsa's return to racing in 2020 for ticketing information on the imsa weather tech 240 at daytona fans are urged to visit www.daytonainternationalspeedway.com or call one 800 pitch
2: All guests who attend the IMSA WeatherTech 248 Daytona will be screened before entering the facility, required to wear face coverings, and maintain six feet of social distancing throughout the venue. Full protocols can be found on their website. The IMSA WeatherTech 248 Daytona brings a midsummer IMSA race back to Daytona National Speedway after a 10-year hiatus. The two-hour, 40-minute IMSA WeatherTech 248 Daytona will consist of three WeatherTech Championship classes, Daytona Prototype, DPI, GT Le Mans, GTLM, and GT Daytona, GTD. Daytona previously held summer sports car events from 1967 to 1985, 2000, and 2002 through 2010.
1: The last IMSA summer race at Daytona was in 2010 when co-drivers Scott Pruitt and Mimo Rojas were victorious in a BMW Riley. This year's event will be televised NBCSN. The IMSA WeatherTech 240 at Daytona kicks off the updated season schedule for the IMSA WeatherTech sports championship, which can be found at wwwinsacom slash
2: Of course, the Inso Weather Tech before Daytona, is not the first and definitely not the only race that's going to be allowing fans at it. NASCAR has been doing that for a few weeks now, and other series are starting to announce that there will be allowing fans back at the racetrack as well. I know there are several several races that I've actually been posting information on on SpeedwayDigest.com, so be sure to check that out. Um, there's all different sorts of rules, depending on where in the country you are, which are a state, which county, sometimes even which, are, which city, depending on, on how the regulations currently are. Now, it is a complicated time in the, in the world of modern motorsports. There are different uh, regulations for all sorts of things going on, not only health, but also for the cars themselves. Uh, in the IMSA series, there have been a lot of teams recently have announced they're not going to be competing for the rest of the year, which is unfortunate. So far, I believe there are four teams that have announced they're not going to be competing at Daytona. Most of those teams will also not, not be competing in the following race, which takes place at Sebring. Um, the teams that I know are not going to be competing there are the uh, the Heart of Racing, which is the Ian James car. Uh, that is a pretty cool car that it evolved from the uh, the Patrick Dempsey Motorsports injury that they used to have in IMSA. Um, it's an Aston Martin uh, that will not be competing in Daytona, probably won't be competing at Sebring as well. Uh, the Paul Miller racing car will not be competing in Daytona, Sebring, and may not even be competing for the rest of the season. Um, the Porsches, the 911 and 912, are planned on completing the, the 2020 season, but they will not be competing in 2021. The gear racing car, which is a... Uh, is a Lamborghini. It was a Lamborghini. Uh, Gear Racing has separated from the uh, the team that they were basically renting the car from. So they will not be competing for the rest of the season, unless they're able to figure out a deal. Um, the team that they were renting the car from, which is the same team that also has a Magnus Racing entry, uh, is planning on entering in Daytona and Sebring. But as of right now, they don't have crew. They don't have a, a any drivers, they don't have any sponsors, so that's kind of a a bad deal when it comes to motorsports. And I don't think that they're going to end up actually competing. Gear Racing is currently searching for another team to to go with, but they uh, they don't have anyone that has expressed interest, at least not in a public fashion as of yet. Um, there are also other teams, of course, that might may or may not show up. Um, so that's generally not a good thing. As of right now, it appears like all the prototype teams will be at both those races and through the rest of the season, but you can't tell right now whether that's going to happen or not. Um, Also in the world of NHRA, NHRA is planning their return to racing next month, uh, which will be like a week away now. Um, This year is zooming by, even though it's kind of a weird year, Uh, but uh, NHRA will be returning to racing. However, the the schedule is in flux once again. They announced this afternoon that the Northwest Nationals will not be taking place. So unfortunately, Speedway Digest, Thursday Night Thunder, will not have a correspondent on the ground there at at the Northwest Nationals as we have for the past few years, which is really unfortunate.
1: Uh,
2: Michael's had a great success in talking to some of the drivers there, uh, not only the people in the pro ranks, but some of the, the touring drivers as well, um, the sportsmen people. So That's not a good thing. Uh, I knew it was going to, I had a feeling that something like that would happen. I still have faith that the race, that the Gainesville Raceway will take part um, and they will have fans in the stands and all that. I did apply for credentials for that as well. However, I'm not certain if I'm going to get them. I'm not certain if the race is going to take place. I'm not certain of much in the world of Martin force right now. It's all of those go and see how it goes. And I'm hoping that it gets better because it definitely can't get any worse, but with that, how do you feel about the fact that they're not having the Northwest Nationals this season?
1: I I mean, it sucks and it's sad, but I guess there's not. I, I was really curious how they were going to make it work, and I guess we got our answer. They're not going to make it work, but I thought it was to be expected. It sucks because – is something we really look forward to going to, but I understand why they're doing it. It just, it just kind of sucks.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'd be surprised if they if they canceled any the, of the races here in the state of Florida. Since because of the political climate here in the state, um, the governor, Governor DeSantis, has a, a a big huge reopening mentality right now, and I don't think he uh, he really cares what the numbers of infections and that sort of stuff is going. He probably does to a certain extent, but most of that he's just sort of throwing over his shoulder as a, uh, as a result of increased testing, which it might be to a certain extent, but not as much as they're getting right now. And things are reopening. Things are, are happening all the time. And it'll definitely be interesting to see how it goes. Um, there haven't been any issues so far with the races here, but but NASCAR isn't the sort of, flight, sort of thing that would give out numbers if somebody did get ill. Um, I know there's been there's been sickness in Stewart House Racing, but I think that was related to the wasn't related to the traveling team. It was related to the people at the shop. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Um, it's kind of kind of weird this year. It's uh, more than kind of weird. It's a lot of weird. But things happen, things change, and uh, we'll see how it goes. Um, we are hoping to have. At least the chance to attend one race this season. I have my fingers crossed I could knock on any sort of fresh board or thick wood I've got in this room right now that I will be able to attend the, the Sebring race, which I believe now is scheduled for November. They rescheduled 12 hours of Sebring. Uh, it is not the Sebring race that we originally planned on going to because the, the uh, FEC, the FEC, <laughs> the FIA World Endurance Championship, the WEC, will not be competing in. In Sebring this year. They originally had the plan for the double header. We were going to head up there on Friday. We were going to be guests of the BMW uh, team hanging out in their in their garage area. Uh, they had a, a little tent set up and we were going to be going up there on Friday for that and heading back to the racetrack again on Saturday. It is only about a three-hour drive from here, which isn't horrible. Uh, it's not a bad drive. It's not really that, that scenic. It's not that bad. And then head back up there on Saturday and see the race in March, uh, roughly a week before, uh, actually just a few days after we had our last episode here in March. Um, But that was canceled rather quickly. Um, So that's not a, a very good thing. And hopefully when they reschedule it, they will do a lot of stuff to make the ticket holders happy. That's still really up in the air. Um, I know that when they get their racing back there in Sebring next month, they'll have a better handle on how the, the season will proceed, and we'll see how it goes. Um, I'm also hoping that they give us a heck of a deal for next year because, the, as I stated, the, the field will be a lot smaller this fall than it was supposed to be in the spring. The, uh, the World Endurance Championship will not be taking place there this year. Odds are pretty good that it won't be there next year either. So it's just a... Uh, one of those things and we'll have to see how it goes with that let's go ahead and move on to introducing our next guest and knock on wood that he actually calls in this evening if he doesn't we can keep moving on we have plenty of information to cover tonight our next guest tonight is jimmy day co-founder president and ceo of m3 performance marketing a high performance automotive and outdoor sports marketing firm focusing on mobile event marketing sponsorship management and live event production Jimmy has more than 20 years experience in the industry and purchased his first car, 1964 Fairlane, at just 14 years of age. As a true motorsports and automotive enthusiast, he has an appreciation for all vehicles, but maintains a passion for American muscle cars and sports cars. He has owned and restored several cars that currently reside in private collections and automotive museums.
1: As a passionate amateur driver, Jimmy has had the opportunity to race a highly modified Corvette Z06, a Dodge SRT4, a fully prepped 1967 Camaro, a 2010 Mustang GT, the world's only pro pro, touring 1969 AMC AMX, and most recently, a fully race prepped 1997 Mustang. He's also managed to get seat time at some of the most famous raceways in the U.S., including Road America, Watkins Glen, Sebring International, Daytona Motor Speedway, and several others. In addition, Jimmy has competed in many open road races, including the Silver State Classic Challenge, the Sand Hills Open Road Challenge, and the One Lap of America. FM3 Performance Marketing produces some of the most iconic automotive enthusiast events in the U.S., including Search for the Ultimate Streetcar, Hot Rod Power Tour, Tour, Roadkill Night, LS Fest, Ford Fest, Drive Auto X, and many others. FM3 has recently, recently expanded to produce worldwide events in Melbourne, Australia, oh gosh, Australia, and... Riyadh, oh, I know that's not how you say it, and Saudi Arabia.
2: Actually, you got Riyadh right, so there you go. Really? There you go. And at this point, we're happy to, to welcome Jimmy into the Thunderdome and thank you very much for being on the program this evening. Hello, how are you doing? Hi there, I'm great, how are you? Pretty well, thank you for asking. First off, tell us a little bit more about your company, the FM3 Performance Marketing.
3: Well, as, as the introduction says, we are a we are a full service marketing company. We do a lot of automotive uh, and aftermarket automotive events around the country. Um, we represent clients. Uh, we do sponsorship management and we do live event production. And uh, our our core our core really is is automotive events and and live event production that involve high performance. Uh, streetcar stuff so the ultimate streetcar association drive auto x ls fest those types of things growing up who was your racing idol? you know growing up i was a, i was an nascar fan growing up i grew up in the midwest and, and that was the kind of racing we had and, and i was a big mark martin fan uh, number six valvoline car was uh, I, I was glued to the tv every sunday watching mark martin race
2: I know in the intro you mentioned some of the tracks you've been, you've had the chance of racing at, which one's your favorite?
3: I have to say road America. I learned a road course race at road America in Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin. And it's, uh, I I lived close to there. That was my home track. I've got, you know, I've got probably a thousand or more laps at road America. It's a, it's a big wide open road course, lots of, lots of high speed, pretty technical. uh, Probably one of the most well-known road courses in the country.
2: That's, by far my all-time favorite. I know with the with COVID-19 there's been a, a resurgence of racing uh, recently, a lot of it without fans in the stands. How do you feel about that? You know, I, I think
3: probably right now it's, it's the right thing to do and, until we have more, more of the science figured out on, on how this disease spreads. Um, right now it doesn't seem like a great idea to put fans shoulder to shoulder In in a set of stands and bleachers. That being said, though, most racing events are outdoors. You don't have to put fans in the stands. I think if we let them spread out throughout the facility, there's There's lots of places to watch from a track and and you can actually social distance at a lot of these places. And so we are we are fully, fully supportive of going going back to the tracks letting the participants and the drivers get out on course and spreading the fans out and and letting them watch the action as it goes on.
2: I know you've beaten in in a lot of different races. You also put on a lot of different races. How many races do you attend per year?
3: Well, it's hard to say. I know I spend, I, I spend probably 36 to 38 weekends a year on the road at some type of high performance. Automotive event, and those those include drag races, road course races. Those include grassroots races and, and autocrosses. So it's it's a lot. I, I'm I'm very fortunate to be able to do that as, as my job.
2: Well, let me go ahead and throw you out to my co-host Michael Lally Capallo, who's in Freda, Washington, who has a few questions for you as well. Hi, Michael.
1: Hello. So my first question for you: What is your favorite event that you attend?
3: Gosh, I go to I go to so many. Um, that's that's a that's a really difficult one. I, I guess I, I I really like sports car and, and and high performance racing. And we we work with a group called SRO World Challenge. Those are some of my some of my favorite events to attend. There's a lot of different classes of cars there, and uh, and there's a lot of different levels of racing that goes on there. I I really enjoy that.
1: And what is your favorite car? <laughs> I, I own a
3: 1969 AMC AMX that, that is a full pro touring build. It's my favorite car of all time. I fell in love with, with one when I was 15. I've, I've owned this one for probably close to 15 years now. Um, that is my all-time favorite.
1: What is the fastest speed you have ever reached in a car?
3: Um I went 176 miles an hour at Daytona Motor Speedway in a uh, in a Z06 Corvette.
1: Wow. And can you tell us a little more about the Drive Auto X series?
3: Yeah, the Drive Auto X series is a series we put together that is similar to autocross, but what we're really trying to do is is kind of bring autocross to the next level. So we've, we've added a couple different elements and changed it up. Um, it's, it's a two-day event, and it's a National Points Championship qualifying series. Day one is a very standard autocross type of event where you get lots of runs, um, and you never have to pick up any cones. Um, it, it, is a, it is a driver's event. Uh, we typically get anywhere from 15 to 25 runs on a Saturday. Sunday morning is is the final qualifying session. And then Sunday afternoon, we do what we call an Optima pursuit style um, autocross, which we, we take the autocross course, which normally has a beginning and an end. We connect those to make a loop. We put two cars on course that start kind of halfway around the course. They chase each other around for a full lap. It's a heads up arm drop start. And the first car back to its starting point is the winner. It's really fun. It's really exciting. Um, and it changes up the format a little bit. The drivers drivers seem to love it. And for spectators, um, autocross can, can be a lot like watching paint dry. But when you get a couple cars out there competing, not really side by side, but two cars out there racing each other, it adds a fun element for the spectators as well.
1: And my final question for you this evening how do you feel Optimus search for the ultimate streetcar series will help inspire the younger generation to be more interested in car culture?
3: That's a great question, and thanks for the opportunity to talk about that. You know, it, it really is a great series for for younger folks to come out and do. First of all, what it, it, it's a really it's a really reasonably inexpensive way. To get into a, a racing series that, that has a lot of a lot of publicity, it gives younger drivers a chance to actually go out and and get sponsors to help them offset the cost of building their car and or competing with their car. Um, it it gives the drivers a lot of different elements. So it has road course racing, it has autocross, it has a drag race um, acceleration braking type element. It has a you know, it has a show-and-shine element to it. So the, uh, our younger generation um, typically uh, likes to have smaller bits of more things. And so because it's a multi-segment event, it gives the drivers uh, a chance to experience a lot of different things at the same event. Um, you don't really get bored anytime. Anytime you're at an Ultimate Streetcar event. You're in the car driving a lot of, a, a lot of the time. So, I think yeah. it really has a lot of appeal for the younger generation. And, like I said, it's very reasonably priced um, to be able to do something at a national level. it's very inexpensive. And what is the next race
2: you're planning on attending?
3: You know we have a we have a drive Auto X event coming up this weekend at uh, Traders' World uh, near Cincinnati, Ohio. And then we'll be at Pikes Peak International Raceway July eleventh and twelfth with our Ultimate Streetcar Association. So I've got a couple of events coming up very quickly here.
2: Awesome. Well we'd like to thank you once again for coming on the program this evening. Wish sure you lots of luck this season and, and for the rest of the rest of the next few years as well. Well thank
3: you guys so very much for the opportunity. I really appreciate it.
2: Thank you and have a great night.
3: You too. Bye bye.
2: Once again, that was Jimmy Day, the co-founder, president, and CEO of FM3 Performance Marketing. We'd like to thank him very much for coming on the program this evening. He was very informative, especially about the Optimus Search for the Optimus Streetcar Series, as well as the Drive Auto X Series. We just published a little bit of information about the Drive Auto X Series on SpeedwayDigest.com, so be sure to check that out in the racing news section. Of course, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the fact that the uh, this week started out a little bit, Poorly for the NASCAR series, the fact that there was protests at uh, Talladega involving the Confederate flag, with more than a few uh, people driving their pickup trucks with the big flags in the back of them on Saturday, as well as the uh, the fact that there was a banner flying over the top of the track uh, with a huge Confederate flag, stating defund NASCAR on Sunday, Sunday night. Of course, we had the uh, the unfortunate incident. Involving the noose on the uh, on the garage, which has sort of been been debunked a little bit, but still, it's a, uh there is some photos going around of that on the internet uh, that NASCAR posted earlier today uh, that are truly unfortunate. Uh, whoever originally tied that in October or whenever they they did it, uh, sometime before October, uh, apparently wasn't weren't thinking quite as as well as they should be. Uh, they weren't thinking about the uh, the repercussions of their actions. Perhaps it was a little bit different different uh, time. It wasn't though, because uh, it wasn't really that long ago. And uh, and people should understand that uh, that sort of symbolism in today's society is simply not acceptable. Um, plus, it's not very efficient. Um, if you look at the at the picture, it's definitely a noose uh, tied on the number four garage there in Talladega. And if you're going to pull on that sort of thing, you're going to lose yeah. circulation in your fingers. You can pull on too hard. Uh, it's definitely not the best not to use. Uh, pun slightly intended on that. Um, so, and it definitely caused a black eye for NASCAR this week. Although when they did do the uh, the race on on Monday, there they the, the uh, show of support from NASCAR was quite impressive for Bubba Wallace, um, where they'd everybody push his car up to the front of the front of the field. Uh, Richard Petty himself was there for the first time in a, since the pandemic started, actually since before that, because he, he didn't attend all the races this season. Um, so it was kind of cool. Uh, it would have been nice to see uh, see Wallace finish better. I know he had been as high as second place and then he lost his field pressure very close to the end of the race and finishing in 14th. So, Hopefully people have learned a little bit um, about how to be more sensitive In our modern times, there are still protests going on right now uh, regarding that sort of thing. I won't make a statement whether pro or against that right now. It's it's your own personal decision. Um, And I know that things need to change, need to get better, but it's been a long road and it seems like it's a sort of road that uh, similar to this current pandemic, it never really ends. Um, There's just little steps here, there, and everywhere that eventually will lead to a better better civilization and a better culture and a better country. Uh, We can all hope, anyway. So, with that, let's go ahead and close out the program this evening and we'd like to thank our guest tonight, Jimmy Day, who was able to call in and we had a nice little discussion with. Uh, It is unfortunate that Jim Austin was not able to call in this evening. I do not know if we'll be able to reschedule him for the future. I will try, but... uh, it was really a timely type interview, and I don't think it'll work for a future interview, although it does have other festivals coming up. We'll see what we can do about that. Be sure to check out past episodes of Thursday Night Thunder, as well as the other shows on the Speedway Digest radio network at blogtalkradio.com slash speedwaydigestradio. You can also check out the show on Facebook by searching for Speedway Digest Thursday Night Thunder in the search bar. I also invite you to read the articles covering all aspects of Marsports at speedwaydigest.com. As I stated, I have had the opportunity to cover certain events recently that are slowly reopening. There are other racing events that do not have fans on the stands, other changes in the schedule, that sort of thing. But be sure to check that out in the Racing News section of SpeedwayDigest.com, as well as the Speedway News section of SpeedwayDigest.com. Hey, Deshing. If you're a fan of South Florida and who isn't, be sure to check out the latest news and information about our slice of paradise. At my fairly new but growing site, Foborplums Fantastic Finds. It can be found on Facebook, Twitter, basically use the at PB Happening link for Twitter, that makes it easier, and by heading to Plum's Fantastic Finds. We are starting to have opening news on that as well. Um, some of the attractions that closed down, <coughs> excuse me, that closed down in March are starting to reopen, so that's a good thing. Um, Some of the restaurants are starting to reopen. Other things are starting to reopen. I did post a a notice there about the mask requirement for Palm Beach County. So be sure to check that out. It is a, a developing situation there. But it's important for health and wellness and all that. And hopefully you're staying healthy. I'm trying myself.
1: Thank you for listening, and we look forward to seeing you again next week in the Thunderdome as we discuss some major issues in the world of modern auto racing.
2: Have a great night.